Hello, and thank you for streaming, downloading, or subscribing to this podcast. I'm Ollie Atkin, and before we get into it, I'd like to say a personal thank you to whoever may be listening to this. This little creative outlet is the culmination of nearly nine years of having my life steadily improved and regenerated from riding a bicycle. It's been such an overwhelming experience of discovery that I'm compelled to share it with the wider world. I'd like to thank Sarah and Tom, my co-hosts, for not only coming along for the ride, but also sharing their own experiences and expertise. Having two wonderful companions has breathed more life into this project than I ever could have done alone. Thank you. I'd also like to mention to listeners that we've begun this process as complete podcast novices, creating this thing remotely from each other and dealing with the joys and technical difficulties that can arise. We have Wi-Fi dropouts, we have sound interruptions, we ramble, we digress... But overall, we're just three ordinary folks who share a passion for encouraging more people onto bikes. Simple as that. Contact details are provided in the description section, so please feel free to get in touch with us and give feedback, good or bad. Offer yourself up to be a guest and enlighten us with your own cycling experiences and insight. Or indeed, just have a good chat about all things bikes. Thank you again, and I hope you enjoy this offering. Welcome to the Cycling Podcast, where we discuss how simply riding a bike can change your mind, body and world. I'm Ollie. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tom. And welcome to Psychedelic. Hello and welcome to episode one, where we introduce who we are, why we're involved with cycling and what we aim to achieve from doing this podcast. We hope you enjoy listening. Okay, so um, so welcome, guys, to the first episode of Psychedelic. Thanks for thanks for joining me. And um, I suppose I better give a bit of a precursor to what's what's kind of going on and what's brought us to this point. So, um, I'm a very passionate cyclist. I've been a cyclist for eight and a half years, and uh, cycling has really transformed my life and uh, transformed the lives of people around me and the world around me that I've seen. And so, I had the idea of coming up with a, a kind of a podcast, but not mainly just for cyclists it's kind of like for everyone just to try and demonstrate the beauty and power that cycling can have for individuals communities and the whole world really um so i had this idea and then quickly came to the realization that probably people don't want to just hear me talking on my own i think it'd be good to be challenged good to have different insights and so i approached two good friends of mine uh, to come along for the ride and they finally have so um so sarah Thanks for joining me on this. Thanks, Ollie. Good to be here. Okay, so, um, and Tom, thank you very much for joining me as well. Pleasure. So, uh, yeah, I think what would be good if we just give the listeners a bit of an intro to where we are in terms of our jobs, what we do day to day. Um, this is not something we're, we're not kind of media types. We're not doing this day to day. This is something brand new for all of us. Um, this is, I've had a bit of um, experience recording podcasts with other people, but not done, not done anything like this myself. And I just felt it'd be a good creative outlet to get out there and kind of, um, yeah, just just use a bit of creativity to to kind of um, instill my passion for what's going on. I'm sure you two are the same. So, um, so I'm going to start briefly with myself. So, yeah, my my name is Ollie Atkin, and I'm I'm based in uh, North Shropshire, UK, and uh, I'm currently I do a few jobs. I'm a freelance uh, marketing events and PR manager. Uh, I also do private tuition with students. Um, as well covering English and maths um, but yeah I've had a wide career and uh, varied career varied roles um, but my main passion is simply always working with people no matter who it is I just love working with people and I love um, collaborating and learning from others as well and that was a big thing for me with this podcast is because of uh, bringing you two guys in was I want to learn from you two you two uh, have expertise in fields that I know nothing about and I thought what a great opportunity to be quite selfish and and, and expand my own knowledge base um so yes yeah, so we pass it Sarah tell Fantastic. us about yourself um yeah so I also live in Shropshire not far from Ollie um but I grew up in Canada so I have a Canadian accent long really uh, yeah <laughs> been in England for a long time now though so I qualified as a doctor in 2009 and finished my GP training in 2014 um since then done some work in uh, traditional general practice done some out of hours work um and 
most recently spent a few years working in a hospice, so doing some inpatient and community work. My kind of personal circumstances have resulted in me having a little bit of a career break to try and figure out where I want to go next. And uh, down the path of, you know, cycling and exercise, started to look at sports and exercise medicine, which brought me along to um, lifestyle medicine, which a few friends have kind of um, also been involved with. And um, my, my sort of latest project is working on a diploma um, with the British, British Society for uh, Lifestyle Medicine. So along with all of that has come learning about um, nutrition and all the things that we do in our lives that influence how we feel. And um, yeah, a lot of that brings in the sort of performance aspect on the bike as well. So we'll see. Cool. Right, Sam. And Tom, up on there north. I am in that there north. Ah, lad. Um, yeah, so I um, I work in uh, local government in a um, local government context that will remain for now as being simply referred to as the North or a Northern Authority. I'm sure at some point I'll be rumbled. Um, but yeah, like me and um, where I've come from, um, well, quite the nerd, kind of known for it really, and got like uh, a long running background interest in uh, the development of places and the development of places to be good places, well-functioning places. And this goes right back to um, when I first went to university, I actually um, didn't really know what I wanted to do um, and just kind of followed a passion, which was archaeology. So I have a very kind of different career to what I once thought I might do. But that once I'd finished that, I came to realise that it was really about how the development of places works that was kind of the, the, the thing that drove me. So I've got a qualification in town planning that I received at the last uh, point in history where the world economy collapsed. So remained in the darkness for a little while there from a career perspective, but then almost stumbled into um, the um, transport development and transport planning sphere where I now work and have done for the past 10 and a half years. Um, and um, very happily working it from that same kind of root basis interest in um, the development of, of places to be places that work well. And I guess one of the, the, main things that motivates me in terms of the how you might define places that work well is you know the environmental impact on the way that, that development works and transport is absolutely pivotal to that um particularly in like western contexts we are seeing carbon emissions being something that are kind of flatlining in terms of industrial and uh, domestic um, output but it's still a really big and growing problem in terms of transport and motor vehicular transport so um, anything that stops, um, yeah, transport from being a, a bad thing from a carbon perspective, I'm very interested in. And cycling is right front and centre amongst those those ways of getting about um, in terms of how very beneficial um, a particular ways of, of moving can be. So it's kind of that basis for um, making places better what, that's just made me de facto very interested in cycling for the past 10 and a half years. Great. And I think that's the great thing about what I really hope to gain from this is that we come from very different perspectives, but we all have that kind of passion about simply wanting to get more people on bikes and uh, and making more people kind of realise just how much pleasure it can bring and how much benefit it can bring to not just yourself, but the complete the whole world around you. And um, and so, yeah, so I think just it'd be good to just discuss what we want, what we're aiming to get out. So just tell the listeners what we aim to get out of this podcast um, a kind of like theme what's going to be happening and I think it'd be good for me to just start by just discussing the name of, of Psychedelic and where it came from so uh, as I'll discuss in a moment is I had a, a very serious and very um, kind of profound time of self-transformation uh, which I'll go into again in a bit but um, and what I found is that cycling um, as a sport obviously there are many sports and huge beneficial things you can do with your life which help mental and physical health but I've just found that cycling is truly unique and there's nothing else like it on earth that I've discovered so far if people know it please let me know but it's not just transport it's not just a sport it's not just a hobby it's it's, it's everything to anyone and it's so individual and I actually find that cycling is almost like when you're on the bike it for me it is almost like that psychedelic experience that it's taking my mind away from whatever situation it is 
and also my mindset and the setting I'm in affects everything that goes on with that bike ride. Just as with the psychedelic experience, your mindset and the setting you're in affects what the outcome may be and the, and the experience you have. And for me, that, that, that is something that I really want to pass on to as many people as possible is you have no idea how incredible it is until you're doing it. And once you get through those little boundaries of like, whether it's be fitness or a certain mileage or a certain event or, or simply commuting five days out of five in a week, whatever it may be to that person, that sense of accomplishment that cycling brings is, is, is really profound to me. So yeah, that's where, that's where kind of where the title came from. And what I kind of initially aimed to get out of it is just simply, I want to pour my heart out really. And I want to be honest and I want to tell people my feelings and why I, why I choose cycling as my kind of go-to I have, and I'm going to say it as it is, it is my go-to therapy for physical and mental health. And, um, as we'll hear in a bit, you know, I, I wouldn't really be here today if it wasn't for a bicycle. So, yeah, so I want to cover different topics. I want to cover health topics. I want to course, uh, cover so uh, societal topics, uh, economic, safety. We want to do episodes where we um, give information to possibly people who've never set foot on a bike before, new riders, um, female riders, mm. children, everything. We want to, want to cover all these different things. And we want to bring in experts and industry leaders to try and guide us and educate us along the way as well. Um, and I think, again, from each of our uh, individual professions, I think we're going to teach each other a lot as well and probably, I hope, challenge each other as well, which I'm really hoping for. I really want my mindset to be changed. So, yeah. So, Sarah, what do you aim to yeah, get out of this? Good challenge. Yeah. So, um, obviously, professionally, I come from that, uh, you know, interest and passion in health, uh, mental health, physical health, all the things that go along with that, looking at um you know a lot of the science behind the things that we that we do um and how can we improve that how can you know every single person can you know maybe add something to their lives that can help them feel better and that's what i'm interested in on a personal level i'm you know a very passionate cyclist and interested in the um performance aspect as well so those things tie in quite a lot my you know, background of coming to cycling was again, like you say, like totally mental health and therapy on the bike. And I couldn't agree more when you say go out and like, it just, if you've got a problem, go on your bike and your, your brain somehow something about the whole experience helps. And there is a lot of neuroscience that I've been recently looking into, into actually how that happens. So it's not just on a whim that you think like, oh, you go out and it just for you, it like feels better, like for lots of people. Mm. And it doesn't have to be like going out in Lycra on a road bike. It can be just, you know, a three mile ride out with your family or, you know, whatever. So pop into the shops, pop into the shops, you know, like just that movement on two wheels yeah. is uh, pretty magical. So and just just linking in with what you're saying about mm. when we're talking about maybe neuroscience or whatever, obviously all three of us have opinions and we're going to give our opinions. But yeah. whenever we're, I hope, whenever we're going to be discussing maybe topics where um, it's going to benefit from something that's peer-reviewed or actual factual, we're never going to push forward uh, misinformation at all. We're going to be backing ourselves up with what's going on. And Sarah is our credibility <laughs> <laughs> here in, this, in that. Uh, yeah. yeah, well... I mean, again, um, as you say, like opinions and knowledge changes. So what I'm, you know, may talk about one day, we may find out something more or like some other information that I didn't know about may come to light. And I'm very happy to, you know, hold my hands up and say, actually, what I've said, I've found something that's disproves that. And I'm happy to be disproved, you know, disproven, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, this isn't medical advice. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not here. You know, I'm here as a you know professional, but I'm I'm here more as you know just a person like anyone else, but with the back the background that I do. So, um, and also to this part of like a process for me as well of of learning and developing my the next kind of stage of my career. And I'm doing a lot of work every day on just learning about various things to do with the body and um, health and this whole lifestyle um, topic. So I keep picking up like little snippets of information that i'm want to share with everyone so <laughs> just the place to so do. yeah so it's like okay you know i listened to this guy yesterday talking about physiological sighing as a way to 
um, control your autonomic nervous system. And it's like the simplest thing that you can do, like two breaths in, one breath out to like calm yourself down. Like, you know, that's not going to cause harm, is it? You know? <laughs> you look really calm, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel I feel different all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad, you know, just bring it to the people. But I think I think where we come from a similar thing, we want to kind of, it's not it's not about forcing things it's about perhaps empowering people with new information that may change perceptions i yeah. think that's the, the yeah. key thing and uh so uh tom and actually this is the inter- this is the good thing i think and, and i think you're going to provide such a, an interesting perspective on so many things is you're kind of like the the token other guy the token non-lycra lad. <laughs> absolutely yeah proud of it yeah i mean yeah i i am um I've never described myself as a cyclist. In fact, to be honest, in my professional sphere, I tend to find the people that do are the ones to be quite cautious of for reasons I can kind of get into at some later point. Um, I do cycle. I don't do it enough at the moment. I've moved into a narrow streeted village um, as compared to a more urban context that was kind of working before a couple of years ago. So I've actually kind of changed... As, to be honest, as a fairly nervous person on a bike to a place where I'm more nervous, it's also quite hilly. So I'm kind of, I fit, yeah, pretty comfortably in terms of how I use a bike into the kind of category of people that I seek to help to use bikes through the development of, you know, on-road and off-road infrastructure that just makes it easier, particularly in terms of the perception of safety. Um, I am definitely somewhat more rotund than both of you two, although I'm not you know, full on chunky monkey. I, 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 I actually run more than I cycle at the moment and I, I enjoy running. And I think in terms of the things that you guys were just saying, I also get it enough in terms of um, some of the, just the physical aspects of, you know, um, exercise and kind of, I guess, slightly longer distance exercise. I don't do the miles you guys do, but I can do um, miles in a plural sense, at least on, on a run. And so that kind of, yeah, breaking through a, a certain barrier and, and having kind of physiological things ha- happening that make it such that I feel better definitely after that. And that being something that I've realized in the past five or six years as being a, a genuinely therapeutic thing is something where I get where you're coming from enough, but I am also Mr. Inexperienced on, on the bike front. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's good. I think it'll, it'll kind of, um, well, help you lycra heads to just kind of, be aware of, 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 of little old me and all the eight-year-olds and 80-year-olds and everyone in between that, um, yeah, are only going to go to the shops or for a poodle out with the family or something like that. Definitely. Um, but in terms of like what motivates me with this uh, and doing this podcast, it's a good opportunity to vent. <laughs> so I've been inside a system that seeks to promote these things or apparently does for the past 10 years. And, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that, that aren't exactly working in the way that you might want them to. It's interesting as well, kind of at the time that we are coming together to start this podcast, um, at the very top level, national government in the UK is at least making some interesting, good quality noises about changing the way that they they do things. Um, so I, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of really apt that that, that we're kind of setting out on this 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 journey now because you know um the prime minister and people at that level are starting to talk in a way which is very interesting and provides grounds for hope but there's a whole you know chain of 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 system and system change that needs to happen in between and then kind of for the past 10 years right at the bottom of that chain of system has been little old increasingly angry me so yeah just just an opportunity to tell you about how uh rubbish some things are but also some of the the opportunities that are starting to emerge and some of the ways that we can you know do things better as um well it, it'll be fun to do really right and also i suppose like because you know people like you know will get excited when we hear about cycling being prescribed on the nhs and you know those kind of things happening and we'll be like going absolutely incredible but you'll probably provide some perspective going well, it's not going to be quite like that. Or it'll be you know, cynicism. Very... I will provide a decent <laughs> wedge of cynicism. I may also have some cynicism. About <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it will sometimes be cynicism. The classic thing is when you get big announcements for new money. It's usually not actually new money. Um, but then some of the policy stuff that's been going on recently is actually potential, you know, significant shifts. So yeah, I'll, sometimes I'll be a cynic. Sometimes I'll be angry. Sometimes I'll be looking at the positive. I want to make places better, right? So. 
motivated by I think it's really easy to fall into and I hope we do get a bit cynical because it is frustrating for for so many people involved yeah but um but also the fact of we kind of got to comment on at least it's happening now and at least something is happening totally and and if it's taken a global pandemic for people to realize for for policymakers to realize the benefits of things like cycling and, and actually i just going back to your point of being a runner as well i really want we are going to discuss running and other endurance sports as well because i think endurance sports in general have a certain category like it is cycling for me because of everything it does provide but we are going to bring on people who are runners triathletes uh or you know ultra athletes as well so we are going to cover many different things and like we are so we're in uh late july 2020 now and uh, you know, whoever you talk, whoever you're listening to, and whoever you're getting your news from, we're either at the beginning, the middle, or the end of a global pandemic, or anywhere. We're not at the end. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think we we can definitely agree on that one. But uh, but we've we've got to take into consideration so many people's different perceptions and and opinions on it. And actually, if we are getting some more highlights and uh, on the benefits of sport and the benefits of exercise and it actually being prescribed, then we're, I think we're in a great place to start a podcast about it, discuss about it in normal, in normal ways. So I think let's jump on the bandwagon. Mm, absolutely. Uh, what we want to kind of um, complete this episode with is, is kind of what is our own personal relationship with cycling and what was our start point and what's kind of brought us to the point where we want to sit down and actually record a podcast about, about this, you know, wonderful, joyous thing called cycling. And I, I think I've, I've been going first the time. So I think I'm going to hand over to, I'm going to hand over to Sarah to, to go first this time, I think. And, sure. And great topic, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, come on. How did, how did you get on a bike? Where did you start? Well, um, well, I mean, as a family growing up in Canada, we were on our bikes all the time. We used to take six bikes away on holiday on top of a tent trailer with my with a homemade rack. Um, so it was cycling's always been part of my life, but certainly not um, in the capacity that it is now. Uh, I started really cycling, I think, uh, probably back in 2008 when I set a challenge to do ride Lance and to John O'Groats and I did some training over in Canada. I was doing an elective there uh, on an old heavy mountain bike and did a hundred miles in a day. You know, just <laughs> as a very beginner look, looking back, it's just, you know, really interesting to see how things have changed since then. Um, so I was fourth year medical student in summer holidays, uh, rode Lance and Donna Groats on a road bike that I'd bought off the internet on knobbly tires and Hadn't learned how to clip in yet. Yeah. So flat pedals. Flat pedals. So much respect. I know. So yeah. much respect for doing Land's End with flat pedals. Madness. Yeah. Yeah. So after I finished that, then I was into my final year of med school, which is very um, busy as you can imagine. So the bike just got put away for a couple of years. And then as a junior doctor, after a couple of years working, um, just some personal circumstances, relationship stuff, I just got on the bike as a form of I don't know, just get out and get moving. And it very quickly became apparent that that was like the right thing to do. Um, and then uh, not long after that, one of my friends and I, she was going through like, you know, similar kind of thing. And we were just like, shall we go for a bike ride? And it's been pretty much nonstop since then. Of head down. Head down. But yeah. just like, just got the bug like straight away and, you know, there wasn't that much on the internet then about like how to do things. We weren't part of a club. We were like teaching ourselves how to, you know, do things. We just, you know, came up with this like hand signaling system that, you know, yeah. <laughs> makes no sense now. Yeah. But, you know, just like, just trying to be pro, but like, just like trying to eat up as much miles, as, po as many miles as possible. And um, it just straight away felt good and was like a good challenge and it just gets you out. And, you know, I wasn't, particularly fit to begin with so it was it was really tough but you get that fitness like comes quite quickly and you know you see so much of the countryside and you get to explore things and you have more challenges of how far you can go and then you discover Strava and segments and yeah all that kind of thing yeah. so um it was a very steep learning curve um but uh, I mean just totally fell in love with it and pretty much since probably you know, 2013, 2014, my life has been, you know, cycling, you know, cycling has been a very 
central part of that and the rest of it's just kind of had to fit in around it arguing about sock length I know I couldn't believe I came over with socks this long I know (laughs) I mean short just so everyone knows (laughs) today Sarah's ankles are I, I, if you yeah. see ankles on a side face it's just <laughs> I had to ride wrong my bike. on so many ways so many levels <laughs> so that yeah I, that strikes me as um, a lycra brigade uh, uh, kind yeah, of conversation yeah. I, I have to ride my bike over here I, in I, I like a, um, a, any type of clothing any attire any anything even even full nudity you know if if you if you're on a bike good on you yeah there is nothing and uh, and believe me it is very tongue in cheek when we do talk like that yes. because there, there are there are very there are certain portions of the cycling community where that is there are there's black and white there is no, there is only right and wrong yeah. and you know i came from and i'll get into it a bit in my, my the way i looked at my first bike ride i mean I can't comment on anything or anyone ever because, and there's no point because it's just, yeah. again, seeing that person on the bike yeah. is the main thing. So, yeah. but that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing. So, uh, so Tom, come on then. Um, non-cyclist, but passionate about cycling. This is, you know, it's, it's great to have this opinion. Contradiction in terms, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so, I, well, I mean, it, it kind of starts with what I was saying, you know, earlier on in d- describing my kind of background, you know, how, how places develop as, as just this kind of baseline um, important understanding for like where a, a career in, in um, both town and, and, and transport planning kind of, you know, came from. Um, but uh, I also just in the early stages of, of, of starting out in this career w- was um, asked to focus on things to do with, um, you know, sustainable modes of transport. So trying to enhance that in the way that, um, um, specifically planning applications are submitted and, 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 and sites are developed to, to be able to think about um, everything that isn't just, you know, an individual site inside, you know, a car by themselves. Um, but then the other thing that um, I guess has kind of just helped me to be really motivated by um, cycling and um, sustainable modes is the idea of like sustainability itself and the ideas that underpin that in terms of climate change and, really kind of working backwards from that um you know like fear to be honest you know I'm, I'm like scared about certain things about how the world works and how it's kind of seemingly at times see, seeming like it might head in a certain negative direction in, in in terms of the climate and things like that and that kind of thing goes right back to the core of me you know like when i was a little kid i i, I was i went through various stages of fear-based obsessions you know like ghosts led to murderers led to asteroids plowing into the planet led to climate change and climate change is the one that's you know not not only um not a remote possibility or obviously in the case of ghosts impossible um it's it's real it's it's happening and it's and it's and it's scary so trying to do the right thing in in, in relation to that kind of thing is, is is critical to me and as i said before cycling when you see successful places where the carbon emissions from a population from a transport perspective are really low they always do a good job when it comes to um um cycling development you know, having said that it's not all just kind of i never got involved like i said before i i have um in you know recent ish years done a certain amount of cycling and for a while i was doing it quite a lot i have been a commuter cyclist um and it was all part of that as, as alongside running, just kind of be, becoming more physically active and kind of um, proactive on, on, on that front that was um, actually really useful for me in a, in a kind of a particular moment in my life, going back a few years, you know, following a breakup, kind of um, picking the pieces up um, and, um, you know, being more physically active, um, as well as, to be honest, being less of a professional hypocrite. Um, you know, it just kind of made sense to become more, um, more active in the way that I, I travel to work. Um, but then, uh, the other thing that I thought it would be worth mentioning in terms of my, you know, relationship to cycling is that, you know, I do have this professional relationship to um, a community in a sense. So, um, and it comes back right back full circle, I guess, to the the, um, the placemaking side of things. You know, one of the things that I'm really interested in and that I really believe in, in terms of the effective development of of spaces and places is that you have to be re- doing a really good job from like a community consultation perspective. And um, that's something that pretty much throughout all of that career, I've, I've, I've put quite a lot of time and effort into um, the 
um, place I work at the moment, uh, I, I have developed the, um, the, the community cycle forum um, for it from pretty much from scratch from a couple of years ago. And I, and I administered something similar, um, you know, for um, a good few years at, uh, at my previous place of work before that. And um, it's really useful to, to actually make sure that local government has that that plugged in relationship um, with people that are interested in cycling. I mean, the thing that's kind of fascinating about it is that the majority of them are kind of likely to wear Lycra and or kind of, you know, angry, beardy old men. Um, so it's not exactly diverse in the way that this kind of community consultation stuff works as it stands. That is a bit of a frustration. But equally, there's like a community of people that have been passionately interested in this. In some cases, going back like 50 years where government was just ignoring them. And in the past few years, even prior to some of the big policy changes, it has been quite heartening to see slowly, slowly that relationship with people that are interested in cycling um, um, be between those people and um, with like local government developing and growing. And that's something that I've been, you know, quite passionately involved in trying to make sure works works effectively. So I thought I'd throw that in as well. But yeah, that's, 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 that's my relationship with cycling, I guess. Well, I think it just demonstrates that, you, you, you know, it's great to be passionate about something and, and, and understand the benefits that it can provide. And you, you don't have to go in full hog. You can, you can teach on the outskirts. You can be, that it's not about, that's the great thing about cycling as well it is so inclusive into anyone you know if you jump on that bike just to pop down to the shops you are a cycle you're involved in the community and you are actively contributing in a positive way because you are simply um you are visible to the rest of the community and see if people see more people on bikes you know it's that representation it thing, seems to be it? a normal thing of how to get thing. from a to b and yeah. choose exactly how much lycra you do or don't wear you yeah. know and, and like totally my, uh, and in my jobs of you know i've worked around the world and when you go to those northern european countries you know holland france and you just see on a day-to-day -day, it's just oh God, you can just see it happening in the uk so you know happen where you've got pedestrians trams buses cars cyclists uh moped users all using the same piece of road effectively and well and efficiently yeah. and and uh, in harmony as well jet on the whole you know 99 this is the, yeah this is the kind of future that that you know professionally i'm motivated to to, to try and yeah. try and make happen because i think the thing is as well i would possibly kind of contradict a little bit one of the things that you were just saying there because i think part of the problem with with, with cycling at the moment is there's a big part of the british specifically the british um, you know, population that aren't really seeing it as being, you know, inclusive. And actually, mm -hmm. some people are even aggressive enough so, as to see cyclists, as cycling and cyclists, you know, quote unquote, as being kind of, you know, the enemy, a problem. You know, you know, the, yeah. the, they don't pay road tax. These these kind of ridiculous yeah. kind of things, things that are just kind of a day to day part of how people perceive things uh, that are just incorrect, really. And and it's kind of the thing is. I'm not even blaming people how that are that way out because it's all part of the kind of the, the natural kind of um, I guess science of of how this develops. You know, there are places, uh, plenty of European contexts and North North American ones as well, where you go back not so many years and um, people um, weren't regulate out on bikes, but then things change in the in the kind of the, the shape and the, uh, the the nature of streets and streetscapes that just make it feel like it's more natural, that it's safer, that there are um, places to store bikes, that there are places to, to, to store your kit when you've just ridden a bike. You know, the infrastructure kind of starts to change and then that helps to facilitate a growth where ultimately you're getting into a position where more and more and more the idea of people being on a bike is, is natural for everybody, even those that aren't yet on one. And I think it, you know those places where you've got a really big percentage of the population that are regularly using a bike. Part of the way that it's got to position that it works so well is that everybody understands it. Not every, even when you know fifty percent of the population are never on a bike, they still see them all the time. They they give them more space in the road. They they slow down more naturally when they're around them. Um, you know, it, it's there's there's a big kind of societal thing that we are kind of aiming to get towards in, in in the uk but we're not there yet and i think so that sense of it being something that's inclusive is something that's we're not that, that's emerging but it's still kind of um a bit out yeah, of a lot I of people's grasp like as as 
very keen, enthusiastic cyclists who like to get other people on board and include people on whatever. Um, we see it as inclusive, but we probably also have like a, a, a view on how exclusive it can be. Yeah, and I think actually probably inclusive is the wrong word. I want to actually, I want to change okay. that to accessible. Accessible, yeah. I think accessible is the right word to use there because... And so. it is, it is accessible to everyone. I think during lockdown, especially, you know, I've seen how accessible that is i and perhaps a lot of that has to do with the safer roads and people are home more and whatever but i where does the whole bloody cyclist thing come from like where's how's that evolved like well i, mean, it's, I don't it's I suppose it's, people people are going to be people are going to base their feelings on obviously experiences i suppose aren't they and whether that experience is being at a traffic lights and a cyclist goes through the red lights and you know that that's and we and i would never that's never to be condoned and you know as, as cyclists I, I always obey you know it's about yeah. obeying the, the highway code and the rules just like everyone else we're not uh, we're not special at all we're just we're there no, and we need yeah. to be safe yeah. and, our, and, our, and me obeying the rules makes me safe and road users other road users safe so I suppose and also I suppose we've got to take consideration while so UK does actually have a really long history with cycling we have a, a long in, um, kind of under the surface culture of cycling especially when it comes to like time trial yeah. and things like that we've got a real kind of unique uh, relationship with it but it's only really since kind of uh, the rainbow jersey mark cavendish one and the and so project rainbow and then uh, team sky coming around and then 2012 and then bradley wiggins win the tour that was a huge influx and i actually came into cycling the year before the the 2012 tour and so but i joined it at that wave and it, obviously this huge wave of people who join the sport and perhaps they haven't had the uh, training expertise. Yes, go on, Tom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of different perspective again. So that, that's, that, that's fine what you're saying, but you know, you, there's, there's, a, there's a phrase in my circles that I've heard more than once that um, cycling is the new golf. Oh, that was just <laughs> yeah, what I was thinking that, when yeah, you yeah. were describing that. I was like, that's a phrase. Yeah, so, mind. you know, uh, Fair enough with um, the Olympics. Um, I mean, I'm in Yorkshire. Oh, damn, I've given myself away a little. <laughs> Those that are looking to hone in on who I am, I've been given a huge yeah. clue there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Toad of Yorkshire is a, a big thing uh, in our part of the world. And, yeah, there's lots of people interested in that. But in terms of the bloody cyclists thing, I, I actually think it's, it's, a, it's a different beast. And, you know, you go back a long time ago, cars were not normal anywhere, then they increasingly became normal. In fact, fascinating transport nerd fact for you, just a little segue. The number of cars that were present in the streets of Los Angeles in the 1920s, in terms of per head of the population, European cities didn't get to the same level of car ownership until the 1980s. Fascinatingly large gap for me, that always stuck with me, that one. But yeah, so, you know, in, in certain parts of uh, parts of America and then in, in, in Europe, you know, cars have grown and grown and grown and become this big symbol of kind of, you know, freedom and, and um, you know, the, the, the ability to live one's own life and empowerment. And there's still some parts of the community in the UK where that's really, really entrenched and important to, to people. And that, that's kind of fair enough. You know, I, when I learned to drive, I did have my own kind of moment along those lines. Um, but the, the problem kind of starts for me when, you know, some places, particularly when we compare, you know, the UK to parts of Northern Europe, um, started to look at the issues around road safety. The, there was a divergence from how they perceived the problem and how we perceive the problem that I don't really know the exact origins for the difference. But basically, both the UK and a lot of Europe in the 70s started to really care about road safety and to do something about it. But for some reason... Um, cyclists just didn't really make the cut in terms of a group that needed to be protected in the same way that pedestrians did. So whilst our culture it kept up, uh, I guess, with, um, you know, other North European places in terms of, um, you know, pr the protection of pedestrians being part of how people working in transport thought, it, it, it didn't at all when it came to cyclists. In fact, cyclists kind of were, I think, for a, a time um, ignored thanks to this kind of predominance of the motor car you know um develop the space for the motor car protect the cyclist uh, the sorry the pedestrian alongside that and 
And cyclists, yeah, well, well they're, they're in the space. That's, there's a lot of European places that have, from the outset, kind of in the development of their major highway infrastructure, put the cycling stuff next to it as separate, segregated space so it could just grow as a culture so that, you know, you could, you know, get on a get on a bike in your, um, your work attire and just, you know, make a short journey and feel totally safe doing that or, you know, go down to the shops, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and like, we, yeah, th- there is that that difference between, um, you know, different countries and how road safety was dealt with from the outset where we're just catching up. We are starting now, though. The past five, ten years, there is a there is a perception change across all levels of government. It's just we're, we are five to ten years in at, ma- at maximum. Um, Holland is 50 years in. So it's that difference, that lag, which is crucial. I wonder if you looked at... Um like drivers in different countries and how much time they spent being held up by cyclists. And so are drivers in this country held up by cyclists so much longer so that they, it just annoys them more than other countries. Like, so if you ride in other countries where the roads are bigger, where you've got a special path that's actually like usable, you're not inconveniencing the drivers for their safe overtake or. I don't think it's about that. I, I, you know, to be fair, in terms of my kind of having the 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 evidence behind this, this is more a perception of of having kind of studied the way that that, that those places work rather than kind of me having some academic journal at immediate at my, my disposal here. But um, I think it well, one one of the things that is definitely true actually um, is is that there is a perception difference, and it's and it's that it's it, it's that the perception difference that that is uh, that is critical. But you know. If you've got the infrastructure to allow for a certain number of cyclists to be able to cycle safely and separately from from uh, motor cars from the outset, then those you know it's still near to the highway, it's still adjacent to the highway. Those 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 um, car drivers are seeing that population of cyclists, so it's not some occasional person or some occasional you know bloke in lycra, or even even worse kind of thing. You know, um, they are there, and then when, the more that they, t- they they become prominent, the more that driver behaviour changes. And also, it depends on who it is that they're looking at. You know, you, the, the, there was a, there was a study that I'm aware of that was done a, a number of years ago, where a um, uh, a, a committed lycra wearing cyclist uh, academic um, uh, went out um, instead of wearing his lycra uh, and his usual attire, he put a wig on and a frock on, and uh, and went out on his bike and measured the distance between his bike. Um, when wow. you know in drag um, versus versus um, in his usual gear, and the gap between him and the motorists, you know, grew considerably. So there's, it, I think, it, you know, it, it's down to that perceptions thing. And actually, I, I I think motorists in this country are probably significantly less inconvenienced by yeah. cyclists getting in the way. Yeah. They just hate them because they don't see them as much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really? sure my pony cap affects me that much, but like again, yeah, yeah you try. <laughs> I try. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, and I suppose that it's that cultural change which takes so long to to develop, and you know, instill certain changes. And also, if we're only, I, I suppose actually, it's kind of been a this bloody cyclist's almost been like a ticking time bomb. Anyway, it was bound to happen anyway because of the focus to being taken away from cycling. You know, cycling having cyclists having a separate area or. Uh, designated path or you know cut through so i suppose it was inevitable from from those kind of early days um so yeah i suppose uh, i better talk about how i how I kind of came to be where i am now and uh I, I kind of always think about my path not being traditional, but I suppose I hope in a way that it, it does actually end up being a really traditional path into cycling because it should be. Um, so 100% plain and simple, I'm alive today because of a bicycle and it was being forced onto a bike and um, taking up cycling and being exposed to the world of cycling, which really has saved my life. So um, in October, 2011, uh, I woke up in a police cell, um, having been arrested for drink driving. I was uh, 118 kilos, or whatever, 18 and a half, nearly 19 stainless. 
18 and a half kilos, um, high functioning, chronic alcoholic, um, just about surviving day to day on about 100 units every day, which so the uninitiated is around two litres of vodka I was on pretty much every single day of my life. Uh, and if that event hadn't happened, I mean, if I just carried on driving, then I'd probably have crashed or caused injuries to someone else or I was just a danger to everyone. Um, but the thing that happens, and, and that, that for many people might be that rock bottom moment of like finding yourself in that situation. Um, but for me, actually, like it, things got a lot worse before they got better. But what it did do, it actually was the catalyst to start me, you know, on the path of regaining my life. And it was the kind of forcing onto the bike. So I had a car and I was driving from my home in North Shropshire to Keele University. It's about a 30 mile round trip every day, just driving there every day. And I was in my, I think, second year at the time. And so all of a sudden I've had my driving license taken away from me um, for 24 months, quite rightly. I'm so glad it happened. Best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, and so I was about three days away from renewing my car insurance and I had um, a certain amount of money in my bank account ready to do that. Didn't need to do that anymore when I came out of court. So I, I just threw all of it at a bike. Um, actually too much, actually, because I couldn't buy any kits. <laughs> so I, bought, I spent everything on the bike. <laughs> Um, and then, so my cycling kit when I first started, when I first got on the bike, was a David Bowie t-shirt, uh, my mom, mate's mom's cycling knickers, and some white high top high top Converse. Um, and for all listeners as well, I, I'm two meters tall, um, so just the image there of this kind of blundered <laughs> fool getting on a bike. Uh, I'd have thought those drivers would probably give you quite a good amount of distance just because of how weird you looked. Well, and also probably weaving over the road as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this. so I found myself in a very dark position, in a very dark state, um, but I uh, got on a bike. And so I started in late October cycling and I'd never done, so I don't come from a sporty family. Um, sport had never really been. I did have had a brief tenure in some, as a table tennis, uh, playing table tennis as a kid, but that was it. I've never really had shunned sport all my life. I, I got to the stage almost where I found organized sport to be almost like fascist in a way. You know, that kind of, oh, guys, organized sport, you're competing against each other. I don't like that. It's kind of, what, who are you trying to, what are you trying to prove to? I look back at that and, of course, it's ridiculous. Um, but that was just my mindset. And I, I was just too interested in other things. And Unfortunately, also, I was too busy just trying to deal with my own mindset, which was one of kind of I was an anxious person, um, very kind of low self-esteem and alcohol in my throughout my entire life provided the fire and the confidence that I needed to kind of involve myself in certain situations. Um, so I would actually describe myself as like a closet introvert where uh, I'm definitely an introvert, but I kind of use social kind of ways to kind of get out of it and actually try and put myself in situations which are slightly more extrovert like this right now. I mean, this is uh, definitely a fight or flight uh, moment for me, but I need to, I feel like I need to do this to become, you know, just to, to grow as an individual. So I'm not going to go too much into like um, my path in cycling, but I mean, I just wanted to describe the situation I was in at the time when I got there. I was by no means an athlete. I was, you know, I was when I first got on the bike, I had to stop every three miles to get up, row up. Um, it was not a pretty sight. So bear in mind, I had to start every single day of my life with like a half pint of vodka to just um, start the day in, and function. Uh, I was I was pretty bad. I think it. Just to interrupt you there, I think a description on what you are now is um, warranted. <laughs> yeah, so so now I've, I've kind of, um, after eight and a half years, well, actually, change happened very, very, very quickly for me. So I lost I lost six stone in six months. Uh, and that was out without changing anything else in my life. So I was, I was actually drinking more, eating terrible food, and not looking after myself in any way. It was just the bike. And I went from zero miles to 150 miles every single week coming into winter with a heavy backpack on and so you suffer and you like learn to suffer very very quickly and I picked up that kind of skill and I realized I'd had that skill pretty much all my life it seems to be able to suffer and take my mind to very dark places and so now I find myself today like I'm 73 kilos so I'm less than two-thirds the man I used to be um uh, I'm kind of less than 10% body fat um I eat well, and like so this is the thing. Cycling has opened so many doors for me. It's not just get me on the bike and get me fit. It's opened the doors of nutrition, learning about diet, learning about the fuel that goes into me. 
the friends I've made, the acquaintances I've been, the places I've seen, the world I've seen. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, from a town in Shropshire, which I grew up in. I had no idea most of these places, the places around here existed. And it, it, it uh, exposed me to the world. And, and the, my main point here is that that cycling is, it connected me to the world. And that's what I missed throughout my, the majority of my life is I had no connection to the world. Um, and uh, that's the thing I was missing. And, and my lack of connection kind of brought these kind of negative aspects within me and my kind of wanting to remove my mind from whatever situation I was in through using booze or narcotics. And so. you're an absolutely phenomenal athlete. Oh. And you <laughs> move a bike faster than pretty much anyone, any of that yeah. any of us know <laughs> i've got i've gone pretty good on the bike and I, I love it and that's the thing and actually my passion has gone into actually make i want to improve all the time and that's not just on a bike that's in my professional life my personal life whatever i just want to continually develop and i want to continually improve and that cat and the, for me the catalyst was the bike and it, it i could i don't think i could have got the same from running from swimming from all these other things it's the very act of cycling and, and getting me out in nature connecting me with the world connecting me with truly amazing individuals and groups of people who i've, I've been fortunate to meet and traveled the world with my bike and and kind of cycled and done things which are just daft and and so now i, I find myself and and Cycling really has saved me, and so I want to devote my the rest of my life to trying to encourage people onto bikes and demonstrate the power of cycling. So, this is from doing I do charity challenges. So, um, you know, Lands Energy on the Groats in four days. Last year I did um, cycling Mont Ventoux six times. So that's climbing the the equivalent height of Everest, Mount Everest in a day. And I've got another one coming up this next year. So I do these kind of things to raise money for charity. But it's about again just demonstrating to people the power a bike can have. And I really like to show people who, who knew me before and knew how I was, the transformation that I occurs. And I want to tell that story to people I now meet because when I meet people now, yeah, they see, I'm in the Lycra, I've got a nice bike and, you know, I ride a Cervelo and I've got the clipping shoes and, you know, I can do a nice, I can keep a high power for a long time and all this kind of stuff. But it's taken a, a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get to this point and I've lost... <laughs> All of that lost weight and the and the amount of, uh, you know, I'm going to say the amount of times I've climbed off my bike in tears and the amount of times I've had to do that. It's been a long, hard process. I think I think just simply going to the going to the priory would have been a simpler situation, and um, possibly cheaper if you know how expensive cycling can get. But for me, this is the way I did it, and I kind of then started thinking, if I can help even one person get onto a bike who may have not thought about it before or maybe you want to make a positive change in their life, then that'd be really cool. And so um, a few years ago, I set up a, um, a cycling club within a, a rehabilitation um, centre in Telford um, called Breaking Chains. Shout out to Breaking Chains. That's amazing the work they do there. So I set up a cycling club. Uh, we were given funding um, from Sport England. And so, yeah, and so we kind of used my story and the model of my recovery to try and help more people get into cycling and to use this as a way of, um, you know, removing yourself from addiction. And actually, one thing I want to point, point, get into that on, the, on that word addiction is uh, I still very much am an addict. Uh, I haven't been able to really fully change my complete brain <laughs> setup, but I've changed what I'm addicted to. And I'm addicted to cycling, the power it brings. And I have to say, like, deep dark efforts on a bike is my new substance of choice like really hellish moments where in the past i would have like wanted to get away from it as soon as possible now i embrace it and let the darkness creep in because it's, it's wonderful when you come out the other side and quite ethereal in a way and when you cross that finish line after a time trial and you've done whatever time in whatever power and, and you've done that personal challenge yeah, I can't. I don't know. There's going to be a time whether I don't end up weeping just from sheer joy of being able to do that. So, yeah, Tom, I, I want to be able to talk to you about that um, deep dark addiction stuff because, uh, as the resident fat man, um, I, I've I have been there. I think in the past I've gained some weight compared to peak runner Tom, but I, I remember how the the uphill uh, running Tom was a. Uh, 
significantly more enthusiastic individual a few years ago than he is at the moment. So maybe, um, yeah, getting into your, your dark addiction will help me to rediscover something that uh, is, is kind of wizened a bit with the increasing waistline. Yeah, and it's what, yeah. and I think it's whatever you get into that finds that 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 thing for you, whatever it may be, whether it's cycling or running, whether it's crochet, whether it's simply just a pastime or a simple hobby that allows you to take that your mind away from whatever's going on develop and grow as an individual perhaps influence other people around you and actually spread that joy and 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 really it's about and but but again coming back to the bike for me that, that's why the bike will always be so unique because it it set me free because if i didn't have the option of the bike and i couldn't get to university i would have had to drop out and i mean things could have got a lot worse definitely for me and i was certainly at a point where I was living a nightmare every single day. It is a, to be an alcoholic every day is a living nightmare. No one, when you have that conversation with yourself and you you say you're an alcoholic and you accept it. And then every day from then is simply a nightmare because you feel you can't control it. And I was, I, listen, I was got to a stage where I would wake up and try not to drink and I blink and I've got two bottles of hands from somewhere. That That's the, that's the stage I've got. To. Was a, I was a, not right, but the other the other thing I want to put across is that I I actually know people like myself where I was functioning. I, I never I was never fired from a job. I was never late. Having you, so um, not sure you cut out there, but um, yeah. So I think having I think for anyone to to just if they're in a dark place or if they're in a negative place in life, there are mechanisms there are people there are groups whatever it may be just it's about talking it's about putting yourself out there because you never know who you might meet what you might find and more importantly what might what you might find about yourself so um so wow. yeah so that's it kind yeah. of in a nutshell. incredible story and i think that gives so much hope that you know you can have someone who's you know as a doctor i've got a patient sitting in front of me in this situation way back when and it's like look there's no drug there's no pill there's no prescription really that can get you out of it but there's a whole bunch of things that you can do to change your life and you've yeah. done that which is you know phenomenal and the amount you've learned and brought to other people is yeah and i think uh, actually so there is a there is a drug actually it's called antabuse and I did, well yes I did go okay on to abuse, yes but there are drugs but it doesn't yeah, yeah. okay and i i did go on to that for a bit so i was in that mechanism of, of, of being treated with drugs and rather than try these kind of things yeah. and, but fortunately by that point i was on the bike and i was already getting well and better but so yeah and I, the thing that's really interesting about all of that as well is that um well one of the announcements that happened the day before yesterday from central government is that, you know, right from the very top, they suddenly started talking about the, the prescription of, of, of um, cycling um, by GPs in order to be able to treat, you know, a wide range of, 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 of uh, physical issues. And for that to be something that's been said at the very top is that's a kind of a, a unique moment. And I think it relates to um, what you've been saying um, about, addiction and various issues relating to you know um physical health that we can kind of you know wrap up and include in um the the next episodes going forward with us yeah definitely and we want to we want to kind of bring in on each of our influence as well and i really hope we kind of bring in guests and we're going to bring in uh different people different perspectives on things that really um we're, we're just three people and we really want to like show just how diverse and how um and again, I'm going to use that word accessible cycling can be in the world of cycling. And it is open to those who want to embrace it. And there are plenty of people within cycling who are ready with open arms mm. to, to welcome anyone into it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think I think that gives listeners kind of like a kind of a, 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 a muse boosh of what to uh, expect and kind of where we want to take this. And look. And this is to the listeners. We 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 respect feedback and we we, we take feedback on, on board. Um, we like any support for for the podcast, and and we're doing this. And actually, you know, while we're doing this for ourselves, and we want to get things out there, we want to kind of vent, and we want to use this as whatever we want to use it for. We kind of want to take on board people's opinions, and like uh, we want to take um, we want to grow this, and we want this to be accessible for as many people as possible. So give us feedback. Tell us what we want to do. What do you want to hear? Uh, who do you want us to interview? What kind of aspects of cycling interest you? Um, what aren't we covering? What are we doing well? What aren't we doing so well? We want to, we want to improve what we're doing because this is definitely going to be a development process. 
So, um, so yeah, so guys, that's our first kind of episode sorted. We did it. Thanks for listening to Psychedelic. If you'd like to get in touch, details are in the description. Join us next time for more conversations about the wonderful world of cycling.